What's going on, my people? What's going on? Hope all is well. It is Friday, and you know how we do. We do our Friday talk, and it's that time. Listen, it's been a crazy week. It's been a very crazy week. We got the verdict on Breonna Taylor. A lot of people not happy about that. Your president's been talking off the wall. A lot of people not happy about that. We less than 40 days to the election. Hope you got your mail-in ballots, which you can text uh, VBM to 77788 to get the application to get your mail-in ballots. Let's do that. We're running out of time. We're not running out of time to October the 20th is the last day, but let's try to get them things in before October the 1st. Get them to your house so you can mail it back before October 26th, which is early election. And we know early voting is October 26th to November the 2nd. So let's, let's get those things in there. Let's get that popping. So I am I am ready to, to get this conversation started. I had a couple guests that I wanted to bring on, but since everything had been uh, pretty much crazy this week and we got a lot of emotion about the, you know the black the black community and things that's going on i figured we just open the phone up man let's see let's see what y'all talking about let's welcome youtube we are now on youtube we're streaming to youtube so all the people that's following us on youtube thank you now appreciate you if you're not liking my page make sure you go to my Antoine C. brown uh, page on Facebook, and you can follow me on my website, which is AntoineCBrown.com, and I also have another, uh, my book page is AntoineBrown.com, so either way, go through there, follow me, make sure you hit the like button on this stream so we can get some of these Friday talks in your stream and more people can see it, we can have more conversations with people. If you are joining us for the first time, my name is Antoine Brown, as you see on the Facebook page, I know we got it open to the public, so I am a, a elected official Antoine Brown. That's my official Facebook page. So make sure you like that. So I am Antoine Brown. I'm an elected official to the Democratic Central Committee in Prince George's County, Maryland. I was elected in 2018. I am now the, the, the second chair, second vice chair of the Democratic Central Committee for these last two terms. And then we run again in 2022. So our job is to get out the vote. Make sure you are equipped with all the things that you need to know about your, your democracy, pretty much. It's everything that you need to know about Democrats is coming up, election, all of the down ballot, not just the presidential judges, your county council, your clerks, your delegates, anybody that's running school board, we get the information out. But this Friday night talk was for us as a community because we were going through some things for COVID and we decided that, hey, we just needed to make sure we talk to one another. So this is my platform to be able to talk to you guys to so you can share and get some, maybe some answers because we can bring, we bring guests on and all that good stuff. You get some answers for some of the things that you might need to be answered or just to get it off your chest or how you feel about what's going on in the world from sports to politics to family to whatever it is. So tonight I decided that I'm just going to open up the floor and I am going to, to have a conversation to whoever needs to be talked to today. But before I do that, I do seem, it seems like I have a special guest that I would love to bring on to chat with me today. And her name is Miss Nora. 
Carmichael. And Ms. Nora Carmichael is on the Democratic Central Committee, one of my favorite people in the world. And she, as beautiful as she can, she is now on. How you doing, Nora? I can't hear you, Nora. You got yourself muted. Probably. Am I? Can you? There you go. I can't hear you. You can. Yes. Good thing. Good thing. How are you, Nora? How are you today? I'm well. I am well. Just trying to take a deep breath and say, "Thank God it's Friday." Amen to that. So, Nora, yeah. every Friday I had these talks, but you have to tell everybody how you know me. How you met me, and you gotta say good things about me. So, it shows oh, you. Okay, okay. I think I can do that. All right. I think I can do that. That's not a problem, and we can get more people to join. Yes. Hey, before, well, go ahead. It's on you. Tell the people how you know me. Okay. Um, I've been acquainted, and I work with. Antoine with the uh, Democratic Central Committee, the 26th District. Um, he was elected, has it been two years now, Antoine? It's been, yeah, it's yeah. been two years. Yeah, and I've been serving on the committee for probably the last 10 years on the committee. So we've, you know, developed a really good relationship uh, in, in the regards of supporting and serving our constituents in the community and uh, making sure information is disseminated appropriately, especially during this time with voting. I, that's, I can't stress how important it is for people to get out and vote. Uh, this is, this is going to be a really tough election year, a tough election in that all kinds of things can possibly go wrong with the election. And, um, you know, if we don't if we don't show in numbers, you know, what else can we complain about? You're absolutely right. All right. We You're we can't complain right. if we don't get out here and vote. And part of our job on the committee is to get people registered, enlighten people as to what the process is, what the purpose is of your vote, how important your vote is. Um, you know, a lot of people say, Well, why should why should I vote? It's just one vote. Well, if you have ten thousand people say that or 100,000 people say that, that makes a real big difference. One vote can make a real difference. So, you know, and then you turn around and complain later, you know, why do we have this guy in office? Um, because you didn't go out and vote, you know? And not only just our, our big general election, but even our local elections are so important because our local lawmakers are making decisions about our community, you know, in aspects of education, health care, um, which is really, really my heart, the health care proponent of, you know, what goes on in our community. And um, if we're not out there, again, electing the appropriate people to run our, to run our um, community and manage the things that we need to have managed, then what can we complain about? You're absolutely right. Hey, Nora, I know it's been two years, and we got um we got town hall coming up, which we're gonna have our 
senators and our delegates on. So if you have not signed up for that, that should be circulating within uh, all the emails. I'll make sure I post it on my page so you, everybody can see it and sign up. It's, some, it's a, a few spots left. We're going to close it off at 300 people. So make sure you sign up and all that good stuff. But you know, since I got you and you did mention the healthcare piece, how are you know your clients and during, during COVID and anything you want to share on that piece while we're talking? Yeah, COVID has really made a big difference in a lot of people's lives. Um, permanent differences, financial differences. You know, we've had a lot of people that have died from COVID or, you know, have been really overwhelmed physically and psychologically because of the whole COVID uh, situation. But I can't stress to people any more than, you know, you have to have to remember things like self-care, protecting yourself, social distancing, wearing face masks like you should when you're in public, um, and especially if you're in unfamiliar areas, that's real, that's real important. I'm a registered nurse and I still go out and I do consulting work. Sometimes I'm in environments that are very questionable and, uh, you know, it doesn't matter. I could be at the grocery store or I could be in areas of the city that I know are high risk. I'm still going to protect myself. And I tell people to protect yourself, especially if you're elderly or you have a lot of risk factors, diabetes, high blood pressure, obesity, um, lung disease, asthma, things of that nature. It's real important because you are subject to being at risk for contracting the virus. And sometimes you don't even know you have it. You can be a carrier. You just don't know that you have this. And you may be totally in asymptomatic, meaning you don't have symptoms, but you can spread it to someone else that their um, immune system is not what it should be to fight off any of these problems that COVID can carry. Yeah, and that's that's good to know can say because um, I went out of town. I'm going. I'm not going to say which state I went to, but I went out of town <laughs> and I was a little nervous because they weren't doing the uh, precautionary things that we're doing here in right. Maryland. I was like, man, I can't, I gotta, I gotta hurry up and get back to my room so I can just be away from this stuff. Just, right. you know, and everybody, you know, wearing a mask and you know, not even the, the social distancing part, just the, the wearing of the mask. Like I was seeing people inside the stores, wasn't the cashiers wasn't wearing it. They were, they had on, they had a glass, like, but it was like, you still don't have any masks. Right. So it, it it was it was it was different from being up here and from you know everything being shut down and our county executive doing a great job saying hey these stores you can't go in there and I know we in phase two and we're trying to work our way to phase three but if we don't keep doing the things we're supposed to I don't think we want to get there. Right. Right. Absolutely. And people just really take a lot of this lightly and take it for granted. Um, the schools are doing everything virtual and that's a struggle for a lot of people, including myself. It's a struggle. It's a challenge, but, you know, I guess you have to look at, you know, which, what outweighs the other. 
possible exposure and not just your children being exposed, but again, they come home. And again, can can expose grandma, grandpa, you know, another relative again that has, you know, multiple comorbidities and then you've got a problem. Right. Right. You got a problem. And my mom stays with me, so I try to protect myself anyway, any way right. possible because I know she got all things, you know, going on with her. But it's it's interesting. So how you feel about uh, you you've been watching the news? All the time. All right. So tell me what you want to talk about. You want to talk about Brianna or you want to talk about your president? Huh. Well, you ask me and I'll see how I can respond. Okay. Okay. <laughs> how do you feel about the Brianna Taylor uh, verdict on the police officers? Oh, I, I don't agree with that at all. I don't agree with that. And, um, you know, hopefully you'll have a lot of people looking. I mean, you see the protests that are going on. And unfortunately, the protests are, you know, um, just becoming more and more volatile. Uh, but I think something, you know, somebody should be held accountable for what has gone on in this situation. Those officers should be held held accountable. I mean, it was completely overlooked and the focus was somewhere else different for the one officer that was uh, indicted. Right. Totally it's, nothing it's, regarding Brianna. Yeah, it's, it's unfortunate. And yeah. I, I'm, I've been telling people I really feel like the, the leadership in that case not, and the officer, I'm glad they got one of the officers for what he did. I really, my heart is the leadership because that guy that they were looking for was already locked up. And you guys still didn't do your due diligence enough to get these people out there to look for the right person right. to life. And right. it's, it's, it's unfortunate. And once again, black women, as Malcolm said, is not going to be right. So it's it's crazy. Sorry about that. That's okay. Tell them tell them they can come on. They gotta get in front of the camera if they can talk to us. Oh God! <laughs> right, they have. That's what they need to do. Huh? Get in front of the right. camera. Get in front of the camera. They're gonna talk to. They can't right. be talking to. Uh, they might ask me about something to drink. <laughs> you know how kids do. Kids, they don't care. They don't care if you're busy. Yeah. 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 I had to lock my eyes in the room tonight. Oh my God! <laughs> so don't come out here. I'm going live. Right. 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 I'm gonna. Lenore, uh, listen. It's 15 minutes in. I appreciate you. Thank you for joining me tonight. I'm going to bring one more person in. Okay. Well, you're you welcome. You're more than welcome. You know, I was going to be on. I've been running all day, and I looked at the clock, and I said, oh, my goodness. Yep. So and had a little sickness. She, she ain't feeling well, so she couldn't join us tonight. So we're right. going to try to do it again next week, and we and hopefully we can get all three of us. You got time. Okay. Okay. And just also remind people that there are a lot of voter registration drives out. Yeah. I know we have one tomorrow. Uh, I want to say maybe the Glen Arden area again. Mm -hmm. I'll make sure I'll dig it up and try to post it. She runs it. Um, right. Somebody just put in the chat that they were going somewhere. Felicia, if you find that... Oh, did I get lost? 
Oh, you're you're oh, here. He, oh, I'm he there. Just got, okay. Yeah, he just got accidentally taken off. So <laughs> let me bring him back in. Okay. All right. Appreciate it. So yes, I was gonna say if you do get that, when somebody commented that uh, we we were going, they were going somewhere. Oh, there we go. Uh, Orson Dickey's today. Right. Back over in the Glen Arden area. Yeah, yeah. like last week. Yeah. Democratic Central Committee members. She said she's going to Orson Dickey's today. So if anybody needs to get their voter registration done today, go on over there and and get it done. And I'll try to find the one for the group. Okay. All right. All right and thank you for having me. No problem. Like I said, we're going to try to get you back next week and we get all three of us so they can see all three of our face at the same time. Right. No problem. Thank all you. Right, love you. All right. Bye-bye. Love you. Have a good evening. Bye-bye. All right. Okay. So that was Nora Carmichael, one of my colleagues on the Democratic Central Committee. We were supposed to have all three of us so we could kind of talk politics tonight, but one of the other colleagues, Angela Jones, who's our at-large member, She's low under the weather. She wasn't feeling well. So I'm going to try to get them back next week and we can talk politics and hopefully have a couple people on us on the show with us, you know, about four or five people. We can just all talk about, you know, ask us any questions you need, any, any answers that we possibly can give, and I should try to give it to y'all. So that's it. That, okay, I need a guess. Let's see, baby, who we got. So I so said we, we talk about uh, Breonna Taylor. You know, my insight, I'm really, really – like I said, is you know the, the leadership should be held accountable for this one, all the way up to the police chief because his detectives or whoever issued those warrants should be held accountable because that guy was locked up. None of that's what ever happened. We wouldn't be having this discussion. We wouldn't be having these marches if they had already known how their systems work. So it's telling me that their systems weren't connecting to each other. And that's, I know that's sometimes an issue when it comes to judicial, but if that would have happened, it, it would have been okay. How about trying to understand why the officers weren't charged? That's a good question, Steve. Let's try to understand that. I, I, My heart says I knew they weren't going to get charged, and I think of a lot of my colleagues, people, friends, colleagues, and all that, families thinking the same thing, that they weren't going to get charged. So it's not it's not an issue. That wasn't the question. So now the question is, what do we do now? So I'm just trying to figure it out, Steve. I don't know. <laughs> just don't know. I just feel like, like I said, it should have started from the top in this particular case. Because those orders came down and that young lady should. We here now. We have uh, an election to win. Uh, we still hearing through grapevine that we still are trying to defund the police. Anybody want to talk to me about what defunding the police uh, department looks like? I want to have that conversation. So we got about you know the thirty minutes left to chat. So let's see who out here. For anybody out in the in the chat box. Anybody out here? But let's talk about it because defunding the police are, uh, is tricky. So while I wait for somebody to chime in and come in and chat with me, let's uh, let's talk about uh, let's talk about uh, my DSW program. 
I think a couple of weeks ago I had, and my mentor, my mentee, I had a couple of my friends on last week, if y'all saw that, was all college related. So I did a little pivot on what, what should be done with my capstone. So my capstone is now that I'm focusing on why don't, why don't more African-American males go to college and graduate? Because that's the key. So now that I'm doing why they don't go to college or how can I get them to college? How can I get them through college and how can I have them financially free? Because what I'm hearing some of the interviews that I've been doing over the last couple couple days is we enjoyed it. When we get there, we have the best support system amongst us with our friends and our family. And that's what's keeping us there. But when we graduate, we are happy that we have the college degree. But the financial barrier is just awfully, awfully rough. And that's 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 facts. And most of us that are in our forties to probably early fifties, when you know, maybe a little younger than that too, but definitely in that age when those interest rates of these student loans not being able to have the conversation. Like I don't really feel like eighteen, nineteen years old, you really understood the price tag of college. You saw the number. You was just trying to get through it, but you didn't really understand what happens after you get out of school and paying it back, having that much on you. You just was excited to be able to thinking you get a social economic uh, boost by getting your college degree. Because that's what they tell you. You get your college degree, you get this paying job, you'll be able to pay your loans back. It just don't seem to work out accordingly to according to what the books say or even if that's for us as people of color, does it work like that? Because systemic racism is real, right? So I'm digging into all these issues and I have to defend this thing in less than seven, eight weeks. And I am stressing. Like, I, as much as I'm digging into it, I still got student loans. I still have a family. I still got things going on. But I, I really feel like if I can get the answers to this and start something that's manageable and measurable, we can figure out how, <laughs> how, how to make people get college degrees and make them, make them relevant when you leave school and then get the job and work in or start the business and be able to gain the education because college really is the experience of and how you how you going to do anything. Ooh, you going out of my realm, uh, Steen. How about you jump on here and we can talk about it, okay? Felicia, send, send uh, Mr. Stain the link and see if he jumps on. But that is a good plan because that 529 plan for saving for college and being able to free. And that's but that's one of the things that you know we hear on the TV. And you know, I don't know if our parents really took advantage of it. And I know our counterparts take advantage of things like that, saying like, well, you get that college saving plan, be good. And then we've been having conversations lately about community college, how they play a key role in low-income families being able to send their kids to school 
and that and getting their grades and start uh, the being more prepared to be successful in college because uh, you know they think we're not ready or most of the times in the lower schools and lower uh, urban school areas they're not getting the resource they need to prepare our black boys and girls our brown brown kids for a proper education so that's what that is but hey I need I need somebody to come on and talk to me you know I don't like just rambling like I do even though I'm spreading all this knowledge today I still like to talk to people uh let's see what oh the wedding last week if you joined me last week on last Friday I was uh the MC for the reception for two beautiful young people that I'm extremely proud of and I am I am uh, I, I can't say any more about the union if you were there you understand what I'm talking about it just was a beautiful production from start to finish those two souls then uh, Jerron Tyler and Monisha Tyler together and all the good words and the prayers that was given out to them as a couple was absolutely awesome because I'm sure we've been to some some weddings you'd be like oh that was just nice but this one was a production from start to finish all of the food was on point by the way y'all good job with that just the love from the black males in Jerron's crew, which shout out to your boys, man. I don't know if it was by design, just who you guys were, but all of them show uh, a, a hope and a faith of how all young black men should be. They, they were proud of a union. They respected all women. They all stated, most of them stated that they eventually want to be in a marriage and a union like they saw today. They're men of faith, you know, it was one moment in the wedding where they all put each other's hand and try to bring a whole line of prayer from men all the way up to the to the to the groom, which is Jerome. And it was just like that's what I'm talking about. It was a link of brothers saying, Hey, we here for you in your union to protect you as you protect her. And it was one of the most awesome things that I've seen in a long time when it came to black men because you know especially we talk a lot we talk a lot about how young men or younger men because they're probably late 20s pushing 30 maybe 30s ish but they they're not old like to see it up front it it, it, it man, check myself for a second let me call my boys up and make sure you know, we're iron sharpening irons, making sure we still talking and make sure we still, you know, faith faith based in the things that we do. But it was just a, it was an awesome sight, and I'm gonna give kudos to those guys. And the whole wedding party was just fabulous. They were beautiful and everything. We had a great time at the reception. We kept it kept it live, kept it going. Uh, Jerron and Monisha did a wardrobe change halfway through it. It was just a overall beautiful and I'm proud to say I was a part small part of making that union come come together on that day so I appreciate them I love them they know that thank you for letting me and Felicia be a part of you we appreciate it so 
Faith, anybody? Anybody jumping on? Just send somebody some links, please. That's that's just get them. They ain't trying to jump on here having me talk about all things. It's, I got class tonight, y'all. So I'm going to take y'all to class if anybody will come on and talk to me. I'll take y'all to class, and then I'm going I'm going to do do that. Uh, tag it. I had something else on my mind. So we talked about Brianna. I'm still I'm fighting talking about Donald Trump. Again. Like I, I wanted somebody else to talk about. It. So I'm gonna leave him alone because the point of all this of this talk is that Donald Trump is every time he says something and he he shows a uh he shows a, a another side or a different piece of himself or the people he represents. And if you listen, I don't feel like he represents me and I'm sure you don't feel like he represents you. But if you do, I would love to talk to you about that too. Thank, thank you, Simone. I appreciate your sister. Thank you for that comment. So um, I'm just excited to have the opportunity to use my, my voting power to attempt to replace him with uh, Biden and Harris. And I'm extremely excited to be able to vote for history again. And I know we we don't look at it as history, but I know she's the second uh, female vice president on it ever. So especially as a black woman, like I, I, I just want her to be in the office. Like I know Joe, I know you did, but Joe and her together, it just seems like, okay, it's an empathy. It, it would be more empathy for all people inside of the White House. And we haven't had that since 2008 and then 2012. So we didn't have that in a very long time. And I miss empathy in the White House where the policies were being formed around how people will be able to manage and live and prosper and not being able to tear down one section to build up another section. Because granted, you know, history shows this is how America has been built over the years. But we've been always on the back of other people and keeping them low so one section of the world can be high. But I just it just felt so good for eight years to 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 just, you know, feel like you was a part of the running of the country. Regardless of how your views were, if it was doing it right or wrong, you still felt like everybody felt like they were a part of it. They had a say. And right now, I don't think that's being done or said or emulated inside the White House. Overstepping boundaries, breaking the law, some of the, some of the simplest laws, just the incompetence in my in my view, in my view only, it's, just, it's disrespectful as an intelligent person in the United States of this is disrespectful so that you think that you can say one thing, do one thing, I'm supposed to ride with just because you're the president and don't think you can lose your job because if it was the president of your company, if it was the CEO of your company, if it was the president of your volunteer organization, you still would be trying to get this person out if they weren't doing the right thing. So it's no different in that aspect when it comes to president of the United States. So everybody, once again, I always say the mail-in ballot for my Prince George's 
BBM 7778 and then text BBM to that number and get your uh, request for your mail-in ballot. It, it starts there. If you're going to stand out in lines, please make sure you take yourself three people. I heard from uh, Coach Coach Terry, and shout out to you. I probably have you on the show one day. He said one plus three in one of his shows. That I was, that's a great concept. And if you're going to take yourself, take three people with you. We got a whole early voting system that we need to utilize. We need to make sure that this thing is, is far, far away by the time it comes to that November election. November 3rd date of the official date, we need to make sure that early voting is we have a clear cut path to victory by the time we get onto there. So we, uh, we, <laughs> if we have Mr. William Steen in the building, I would prefer him to come on in and help me out, Miss Felicia. Hey there, Mr. Antoine Brown, the Honorable. How are you, sir? How are you today? Uh, I'm. I, I I still got the COVID look, but I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Yeah. Well, the COVID looks look good on you, and then you know, that's all it doesn't matter. I can I can deal with. Look, I'm about to buy a pick and go back to the '70s. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, they they might be running out of them because everybody is probably there's probably no picks left. I can't, I can't argue with that thought. <laughs> so how you doing? Okay, you said the 529 plan, which uh, my sister said she did one. She put a comment on it. So you go ahead and talk about that one a little bit because that was important. I wish I would have known about it, and I need to go ahead and start it for eight. And I, I think that's the, the problem when you talk about how not only how to get um, black men into college, but how to get black students into college. Um, we have not really understood, asked the questions, taken advantage of the tools that are set up to help um, us prepare our next generation. And the, 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 the good thing about the 529 plan is that it allows you to save for college for your child. It also allows you to save on your taxes because it is tax uh, it's tax deferred, I think, um, but it, is, it allows you to come take away from your, um, your gross income when filing your taxes. So like your IRA, um, it comes from your gross income, which when you get that number down, that's a lower number that the government taxes you. So here, instead of putting it into a regular savings account, you put it into a government-backed 529. It is secured by the government, which means if, you know you won't lose your money. Um, but you can only use it for school or higher education related <clears throat> um, issues, bad word issues, but um, that includes not only uh, the college, but even trade schools, because not every every student goes to college. Um, it, it can pay for books. It can pay for these expenses. And again, you know, if, 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 if to echo what you're saying, if, if you did, did this for Avery now, by the time he graduates college, you see what I'm saying? And you don't have to worry about the student loans and the debt that comes according to student loans or the schools that offer you the scholarships that you really don't want to go to, but they are the ones that provide the funding. So it really comes back to us being good stewards and us taking advantage of the the, the tools that are out there. Um, 
you know I'm in the real estate industry and the conversation that they have is they see what they want and then they find a way to pay for it. Well, unfortunately in our community, it's the other way around. We see what we want, we get it, and then we figure out how to pay for it once we get it. And so then you have the, the, the lease vehicles and then you have the rental apartments and then you have, instead of having things that you have ownership in that you can use to borrow against to put you in a better position later on. And so what they do in the real estate industry is they know they have children. They, they will go and buy a rental property. So this property, the income from this property goes into a, an account and they hold on to the property until the, the child is ready for college. And then they sell the property and then they have the amount of money to pay for the entire uh, um, debt. So they have no, you know, they have no debt. They bought this just for the purpose of their child. And that's that's how they stay out of debt. And that's how we continue to get in debt. So. So, OK. So, you know, I'm working with since we're talking about it, I'm working with a, I'm attempting to work with a population that. It's not going to go out here and buy no house. They, most of them are going to be on welfare. They're going to be on Section 8. They're going to be on that. So they don't know about a 529 plan. So I was, in my mind, this is uh, some type of legislation or policy where some of the money that they're receiving or a percentage of the money they're receiving should already go there. So if they're getting a check from the government, and if they know they're getting two hundred dollars, five percent of that two hundred is going to automatically go for that child into a five twenty nine plan and be prepared to go for college until you get off or whatever, just to start setting them up. Like some of these things sounds common sense to me to do to try to prepare uh, people that don't have the funds to do it to start doing it in a way. But that's just me learning that. As I'm digging into the research, I see like man, that, that could be something, something that could happen. What do you think about playing? No, and I, I think that's phenomenal. I think you know, um, I think that if you're in the, if you're, if you're taking the benefits from the government, um, and you have a child, then I think absolutely, I think that 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 should be part of it. I think that you know, um, having that option will stop that continuous cycle of, you know, generation to generation that remains on welfare uh, or, or public assistance or, you know, or, or government needs. Uh, I, I think that's phenomenal. Um, um, but the question comes, does the government want to break that cycle? Because let's let's call it what it is. There is financial resources to the government for poverty. There's financial resources available to the government for crime. So you really start getting into, you know, is this something that they really want to do? Because if you have no crime, then you need no crime grant money. And if you have no crime grant money, then all of the expenses for your crime uh, 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 suppression methods are out of your pocket and not from the government. So it's, you know, it, it, it is an issue that you know, that needs to come to light, but I, I love it. I think it's a great idea. And I think it is something that needs to be introduced to stop the cycle of repetitiveness from, uh, from government assistance. Yeah. And cause I, it's like, sometimes as I listen to some things, I see the bills and, you know, especially with crime and education, it's like, but 
I, I was on welfare in college. They gave me $260 a month. They gave me an apartment for $60. And they gave me food stamps at $300. And technically, I could have lived off of that if I didn't want anything mm-hmm. more to do. Mm-hmm. I had food. I had shelter. I had an expendable, expendable income, <laughs> technically, mm-hmm. if I budgeted the right way. I, I could have lived off of that. But if someone had said, okay, instead of giving you the whole $260 of, of that money, I'll put this away for uh, Skeet at the time. I'll put this mm-hmm. away for Anthony. And by the, when you leave here, or if you don't, if you don't continue to be on welfare, we'll give you that money back to start an education for your kid. This just, and I, like you said, that would have been a good boost of a good stewardship of money for the government. But you like that. I don't think they want us out of, out of poverty. Um, it's certainly something that you have to ask yourself. And, and I mean, it, you know, financial awareness is about decision-making and making the right choices. Um, you know, I talked to uh, a couple of people that I became disappointed in because they received the, uh, the, the stimulus check uh, for the COVID and the $1,200. And instead of what I would have done and what I, you know, and what people, some, some people that, um, that I've talked to did was they took the money and they paid for their excess bills, the credit card bills, mortgage, uh, groceries, something like that. But then there's a segment of the community, uh, and I won't mention any names, even though, you know, <laughs> we all know who they are, <laughs> but they took the money and they bought shoes. You know, they, they went they went retail shopping. Now, on one aspect, you could say that's what the government wanted because it stimulated the economy. And, you know, by putting the money in the hands of the people that one may think aren't the most financially uh, uh, aware, um, that's typically what they do when they get money. Um, they You know, they go spend it. So, yeah, you know, maybe that's what the government did. But the reality is. There, there should have been more people advising the community on what to do with the stimulus money in terms of not going and getting into more debt or not going and buy something that has no real value other than emotional, but getting yourself out of, you know, this debt, this credit card debt, um, paying down, you know, some of the bills that had stacked up. That's what the money was supposed to be for, taking care of the repairs on your on your vehicle. So, you know, you can continue to have a working mode of transportation when things uh, um, open back up. I went to a seminar, and they'll probably get on me for sharing all the top secret information. <laughs> but I, I went to a seminar, again, real estate uh, uh, professionals, and they were telling us the strategy of paying your child while they're in school. So if you were, for instance, you you mentioned that, you know, what you had while you were in college with Skeet and what you were getting from the government. Well, had I known this strategy that I know now, what I could have done is I could have hired you as a consultant to my business, social media consultant, um, research assistant or whatever. I could have paid you in, in a salary let's say under the $12,000 that's, you know, that, that, that requires you to start paying taxes. So I could have paid you $11,000. I could have provided you with a laptop, a Wi-Fi card, 
you know, a, a desktop computer back in that day, Mr. Brown. Uh, <laughs> you know, but I could have provided with all of the things that you could have used for school, but you could have also used for my business, and it would have cost you absolutely nothing. I could have written it off as a business owner because you are now an employee. You wouldn't have to worry about paying taxes because I'm paying you under the $12,000 threshold. And that's how they, that community continues to build their wealth. They had, they, they introduced, and not to take up all your time, and, and, and certainly I know that. They, they introduced that, now listen to this. They, they had a person that came in that talked about paying his six month old. Paying his six month old. Now, of course, you and me will sit here and be like, what? You talk about child labor laws. You talk about this, that, and the other. And what in the world can a six-month-year-old do? So this this, this um, business owner opened up an LLC in the name of his child. The custodian of the LLC was the, was the wife, the mother. And they paid the, the six-month-old or the LLC um, a contractual um salary for employee motivation because when you bring a six-month-old into the office guess what you do to the office you change the entire environment and so every once a month they wrote a contract signed the contract they paid the money into the llc they opened up a retirement account for the child again we're talking about six months old and now, when the six-month-old needs diapers or needs baby food, guess where it comes from? Doesn't come from the mother. It comes from the six-month-old because he has his own. He has his own account. One hundred percent legal. It is just the way that they understand the system that we don't. Right. And, and they'll probably kick me out of the group for sharing this. Then they will. They're gonna, they're gonna have to find my live. If they find my live and kick you out, then we're gonna have to start our own group. Because that means we got to keep sharing. Because they, they found us. But Absolutely. Yeah, knowledgeable rappers. <laughs> yeah, you're right, Fee. Thank you. So we uh, one thing that you said that, that, that has been crossing my mind when we come to that is I was reading one article and one guy was like, we, we uh, in a high school, they were getting financial literacy. They was getting mm -hmm. financial literacy education K-12. Well, nine through twelve in his case. Do you think financial literacy should be taught earlier than K through twelve, or should it be in school system? So, in all honesty, financial literacy should be taught at home. I mean, you know, you can't leave it up to other professionals to teach your your child things that you should be sharing. However, uh, I will say, and I know, I believe it was on the federal level. No, it was on the state level. Um, that they are talking about bringing financial literacy back to the high school. Um, I will tell you in Prince George's County, they do have the financial park that is the nonprofit organization connected to the school board where they take the middle and high schoolers through a course. And part of this course is they give them a budget and say, okay, you are now a, a lawyer, you have a law degree, you're getting paid $100,000 a year, now go shop. And then part of this program, they take them to a, um, a facility, I think it's over in Washington Heights, and they, walk, and they have a bank and they have a car dealership and they have various professionals. So it gives them that real life experience. 
Um, they just expanded it to, it was for the middle school, eight, eighth graders. They expanded it within the last couple of years to all Prince George's County students from middle school to high school, just in case some people transferred in and didn't get it. That's definitely uh, something that needs to be done, but that is a small segment of a larger class. What you're talking about is, is its own class. And yes, I think it should be in there because, you know, real estate investing needs to be talked about. Stocks need to be talking about. Why am I fighting you over Nike when I can actually own Nike company and, you know, for the for less than it costs to buy the shoe? I can own a share in Nike company. And so now you step on my shoe. Hey, that's fine. Let me go buy another pair of shoes. And then I've all, I've increased myself twice. I'm marketing for my company and I, I uh, just made my stocks go up because of the net income. So it, is that the same uh, company that's over by FedEx Field? Uh, yes. What's the, that's the yes. same one. So yes. I did take that. That's the one I volunteered at that time. Yes. Which, which was awesome. Where you, that's it. You know, the kids going in there and then, and then the fact that if, and I'll, I'll make sure I find it and post it somewhere so you can go volunteer over there. Because yeah, J J A Financial Park, uh, Felicia, if you if you are listening, J A Financial Park. J A Financial Park. So what I learned some things for myself as a as an adult going through there with the kids because when you do it with kids, they see things, they open up your eyes to little things to to get it. So they're looking at me to give them advice, and one of the things you they wanted the volunteers to do is don't tell them anything. Let mm -hmm. them kind of figure it out and work through that process and see. But if they ask you a question, kind of ask them another open-ended question where it's kind of challenging why you chose to do that versus this. And it, it was it was eye-opening, like I said, for me, being an adult, even though I knew most of the things going through, I knew the right to wrong, and I knew the right decision, even if I didn't make the right decision growing going through that process, <laughs> I still knew that, oh, if I'd have chose this way versus that way, and I guess- yeah, it's, it's almost like, you know, teach a man a fish or, yeah. or give him a fish. And that's what they really focus on. They focus on teaching. And there, there there've been a lot of reports that have come back where the middle schoolers came out and said, I'm not gonna have children until I'm 50 because, you know, their scenario had a child and they realized that their income that you know was significantly reduced because they had to buy baby food and and daycare and stuff like that. So it really put them in that light without them actually being in that light uh, realistically through a realistic situation. So yeah, it was it's an awesome program, and, and yes, they're always looking for volunteers um, because they are you know again they have various entities set up uh, set up uh, shopping centers, banks, used car dealers. Um, you know, babysitters. So they have all of these, they need volunteers to run each one of these stations, like, as you know, uh, so that they can interact with the with the students and make it really seem realistic and not just a game. They need it. They and need I see the website is on, it's on, it's on your site yeah, now. I say Felicia found it because she's awesome. They need to do this for a whole the, the college experience and student loan process. Like, let me know what I'm going through. Let you see the ups and downs of it. But once student loans hit, you do it for four years, which another statistic came through that we pay higher because we're us as a, a community and a race 
is unprepared for college, it takes mm -hmm. us five, six years. So that's two more years of interest versus our counterparts who getting out in three and a half, four. And even if they had student loans, it's not as much interest as we pay as we stay in the school, which was a fascinating fact. It was like, hey, I didn't think about that. And I stayed in school four and a half years, five, and I had to pay a whole year of interest on another year of college. Yeah, that's a whole nother, you know, I'm going to be uh, uh, not politically correct making this statement. But, you know, that that's I think somebody needs to file a class action lawsuit because it appears that the uh, students that have extra time are predominantly minority. Um, you know, they, they, they get to their senior year and for somehow the guidance counselor, career counselor overlooked this class that was mandated that you needed. So you had to do, you know, a minimum of one extra semester. And I'm, I, I would not be, you know, I'm not a conspiracy theory, but uh, theorist, but I, I would not be surprised if there wasn't a mechanism to help keep, you know, a community uh, substance, subs you know, subsidized through their life be through this process. Again, I'm not going to go there. That's going to open up a whole nother, a right. whole nother. So if I can strategically cause you to pay more by giving you, by mandating an either extra semester or extra year, then that's beneficial to the college. They can't have all the students leaving in four years. They got bills to pay too. <laughs> You're right. So I wasn't old enough to realize that, man, college used to be public. Like it was government and everybody could go and it right. used to be easy and maintained to do it. And I was like, what? That's what? That used to be a government issue? thing you 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 were entitled to go right you didn't have to pay for it that and well, in some places i think it still is i think north carolina if i remember collect correctly or georgia one of i think it's north carolina that if you're a north carolina citizen resident then the college there is no cost i know governor hogan had talked about that with the community colleges if you are a state uh resident um so yeah there are some places that that have that and their students are much better off but their economy is where the hit is because when they come out with their degree, you know, they're making $30,000 in a job that we can make 70,000 in up here. Same job, different location. Different location. All right, Stan, well, we got five minutes left, man. I appreciate you always uh, supporting the show and coming on and dropping bombs and knowledge like you always do. I love and what you're doing, man. And I so appreciate you know, the platform that you're using and the information that you're sharing. And I would, you know, I, I would love to see this on a billboard so that those uh, those tick numbers up when it's talked about people watching go into the triple digits. Well, I, I can't wait till that happens too. So. Well, let me start talking about the police department. You'll get, you, you, you'll get, you, you will get those numbers. Might not be you know, for the right reason, but anyway. I didn't ask you about Breonna Taylor. I, I noticed. Okay. I noticed. Good move on your side. We don't have enough time for that in the SRO program in the Black Lives Matter. We don't have enough time for all defund the police and and you remember the movie Purge? Just yeah. think about that. That's what's coming up. I had that conversation with somebody. I was like, we we ticking towards the purge. Yep. But no, we don't have. But I will invite you because I'm I've been talking to a couple lawyers and I will invite you when I have them on. So we can all have that conversation because we need to 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 uh, rediscuss how defunding the police works. Before you go, I'm I might as well keep you until the last one. We're not gonna. 
but the defunding the police, and I don't think people realize that if you do that, we we destroy three systems. We take out the courts and the judges and the lawyers. That's just we don't need them anymore if we defund the police, right? Because we don't need judges and lawyers anymore. <laughs> we don't need the 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 laws that make the laws. So we we talking about politicians and and the constitution and we don't need that no more because we starting at this level and then it started raising up because it, it's going to be a whole bunch of systems destroyed and then what they look like on the repeat. So, so here, let me, let me, let me jot this in real quick, um, not to take over your show, but here, here's the problem with the messaging. So you have, you have two ideas with one statement and it, it equals with the Black Lives Matter movement as well as defund the police. So you have a movement that says defund the police, take take disband and take that money. And then you have a movement that says defund the police by diverting funding from the police. Don't take away the police department, but divert some of the funding they get because they have a heavy budget and put it into other programs. Those two are separate, but they're all under the same title. You have the Black Lives Matter movement organization, and then you have the statement Black Lives Matter. They're two different movements under the same heading. So when people say, I don't support the Black Lives Matter, we're jumping and saying, you don't like blacks? You don't like blacks? No, it's not that I don't like blacks. I don't like blacks that feel that take the, take the funding away from the police department, tie their hands, and have self-policed communities. That's not Black Lives Matter statement. That's Black Lives Matter movement. And so I give those two scenarios, not to start a debate, but this will get your ratings up. But uh, to also, to, to, to we really need to work on the messaging so that when you say defund the police, are you saying take away the police and divert and, and uh, do self-policing? Or you say divert some of the funding for the police to other social programs? And that's something that has not been clear. Okay, well, once again, we can get here and we'll have that conversation because it's it's rumbles around here and it's definitely going to be all the way affecting us all the way to November the third. Mm. So I'll definitely you know put aside a show so we can talk to talk about it before we get to the election. Sounds good to me. All Give right, me advance man. notice so I can take care of the COVID look though. I, I will definitely do that. We're gonna work on your lighting too because that lamp needs to be behind your camera. But we'll talk about that. Okay. Well, considering I just got the last minute, you know, my dinner's over here. So, oh. you know, I, I had to kind of maneuver everything so that, you know. You was ready. But you're always ready. You, you've you been got ready to be. since I met you. So, got to be. Yeah. Yeah, I love you, my brother. Again. Appreciate you. I love you too, man. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Hey, all right. We got a couple seconds left in the show. If you didn't already, you should have been doing it while we was talking. Make sure you take the text to 777-88 and then text VBM if you live in Prince George's County. Get your mail-in ballot request so it can get your mail-in ballot so it can come to you. I know it's been a tough week. I need y'all to be safe. Have a good night. I'll be back here at 530 next week, next Friday. Make sure you like my page. It's... Uh, Felicia put it up for you because I can't remember. I think it's official. Elected Antoine Brown. 
And then my website is AntoineCBrown.com. And please stay connected. Just like it say on my beautiful little ticker. Right but hey, guys, it was been a great night. Good night of conversation. Thanks, Mr. Williamstein, for getting on. Thank you, Ms. Noah Carmichael, for sharing your your uh, views on how everything's going in the world. Let's get on it next Friday. Let's see who we can get on here next week. I love you guys like I always do. Make sure you be safe, and I'll see you next week. Have a good one.